come to our scripture reading today, and if you were here last week, you're going to get a review because we're spending two weeks on this passage from Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. And if you weren't here last week, well, then you'll get to hear it. This comes from the Common English Bible Translation, and it reads, On that same day, Easter morning, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, what things? They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things, just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me and please pray for me. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day and the opportunity to just be with people that we haven't seen in a while, to be with people that we've never seen before and just get to experience your presence in and through them, that they can experience the presence in and through us, and that together all of us become one body, all of us become one temple. And we, we seek your presence, Lord. We seek your word and your guidance. So we offer ourselves. May you speak through me in spite of me. May we hear you in our innermost selves in spite of ourselves. Lord, may all that is said and heard, may it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
Amen. Yeah, third week of Easter. Are you still celebrating? Anybody still painting eggs? No? Looking for bunnies? Having dinners? No, that stuff's kind of gone away. Yet we have so much to grasp about the meaning of it all. The resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the anointed one of God, our Messiah, our Lord, still has more to say even amidst the derby and all the hubbub, has much to say amongst the tragedies of the news stories from the weekend. We live in a strange world. We lose an incredibly bright and much-needed author and Rachel Held Evans, 37, she died yesterday. Some Israelis, and I emphasize some, and some Palestinians are still fighting. More gun violence has entered the world. Politicians are distracted as they've ever been, and so are we. Amen? Death, sorrow, and despair just runs rampant across our shared humanity on this great planet. And yet, there's resurrection. A God-man from Nazareth was born into our dark world and shone forth light. He brought grace. He announced good news to those who were on the wrong end of the power abuse that goes on. Up until 2,000 years ago, death had the final word, but not anymore. We trace our story of sin and death all the way back to a garden and the first recorded meal of our Bible. Genesis 2 and 3, we've we've been reading about the garden and God's work with a man and a woman, and we find that they are tempted by the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They see that it looks good to eat because they want to be like God. They want to be God. They want to play the judge, and if you're going to be the judge, then you need to know good and evil so you can remove God from that seat and you can play it yourself. And so they do that. They eat the first recorded meal and it says that their eyes were opened and they realized the power that sin gives you when you rebel against God. And they realized the power that death threatens us with and they realized they were vulnerable and exposed. So what did they do? They covered themselves. They ate, and their eyes were opened. The first meal is where everything took a turn for the worst, where people turned away from what God had offered and willed, and instead, they pursued a life of sin and death, and here we are. We know this story, right? Is it your story? Is it mine? Yeah. Our passage today records another first meal, the first meal after the resurrection, And Luke emphasizes the point that this is tied in to that original first meal. Because when they were at the meal, their eyes were open. It's an incredible parallel. It's the exact same phrasing and idea at work. So what does it mean? Well, these disciples, they didn't understand what had happened in Jerusalem. They knew what had happened, but they didn't really understand it. They didn't understand that things happened exactly as Jesus told them it would happen. In a world of death-dealing, of sin-wielding, Jesus was to take the full brunt of what the fruit-eating, knowledge-having humanity could bring onto this planet in the shape of a, a cross, which is a terribly 
gruesome instrument of death. And Jesus accepted it. Because Jesus followed a new order, a new way, God's way, God's kingdom, God's reign. And of course, the world of darkness is going to respond to that kind of threat with violence. The world doesn't like grace. We're still eating the fruit. We want justice. Justice says you get what you deserve. Maybe we'll show mercy and you won't get what you do deserve. But Jesus brought grace where you get what you don't deserve. The disciples thought Jesus came to wield death and power by the sword and to usher in Israel that way. It's the only way they knew. That's how you establish a kingdom. And and who can blame them? Are we any better? Are we still still looking for the world's way? So when their Messiah was killed, when he failed to be who they expected him to be, they abandoned their mission. They left their ministry and they left Jerusalem, which is where they had been going the whole time in the gospel, starting in the end of chapter 9 of Luke They make their way. Jesus sets his sight on Jerusalem, and they are walking toward Jerusalem for the next ten and a half chapters, years. And yes, it it took less than three days for them to leave. And before we judge them, we must acknowledge that we get it. We understand. We do it too. We've done it. The threats of the world have a heavy influence. Death. Death is what the higher powers in our world use to threaten us with. It's what we threaten each other with. Sin is that desire to, to do what is against God's will, and death makes a great weapon for sin, and it's, it's been the case for a long time. Death gets our attention, and sin is ever so close to us too. Threatening others, maybe with a fist, maybe with Scripture. Threatening others is more common than we like to admit, and if you're th- If you're wrestling with that, you may even be saying right now, now, hey, watch it, Pastor. Yeah, it's it's close to us all. Me too. But then, after walking with the risen Christ without realizing it, these disciples arrive in Emmaus. After Jesus pretends he's going to go on, and that's how it reads, the disciples urge him to stay because the road is dangerous. The nighttime is not a good place to be, and they can't bear the thought of someone being stranded out there in such a risky, dangerous place. So they invite him in. At least they're willing to live the way Jesus taught them to live. They invite this stranger, this disguised Jesus, into their table, and Jesus, the guest, becomes Jesus, the host, who takes the bread, gives thanks, he breaks it, he gives it, and in this meal, this first recorded meal of post-resurrection, their eyes are opened, and they see what they didn't see before. Now, the opening of the temple a couple days prior when the curtain ripped in half, the opening of the tomb that morning, the taking of the bread, the opening of the eyes, and I like to think one of the ways to understand these two disciples that it's Cleopas and the other one's unnamed, but some say it's it's Cleopas and his partner, his wife, because we have another couple receiving a meal and having their eyes opened. Their eyes are open. Not the knowledge of good and evil. They already have that knowledge. Instead, what they realize is that the reality of God's power has broken into the world. Resurrection. Where Jesus is king and death is defeated. And they have nothing to fear anymore. And neither do we. The grave, Hades, Sheol, however you wish to label it, it's defeated once and for all. Amen? 
The renewal of life, the resurrection, is on full display in front of these two disciples, the kind of knowledge that changes everything. No longer do they need to be in despair. No longer do they need to have sorrow. No longer do they need to be afraid to die. And we see their response. They immediately, immediately run back into the darkness along the dangerous road and go straight back to Jerusalem on the same day because they have to share the good news with their companions. Their first instinct is to rejoin their community that God had brought together through Jesus. They, this community that followed Jesus to the cross even, no longer are they afraid because God has brought about resurrection. Violence used to have the final word, but now it's God who speaks last. Amen? They return to Jerusalem to engage their mission in a way they never have before because the knowledge gained by the opening up of the scriptures by Jesus, they knew it, but Jesus had to open the scriptures up. And then the knowledge of the breaking of the bread, it changed everything. And into the reign of God, they entered right then. Because that's what resurrection does. It changes everything. When we cease to be distracted, we open our eyes to the encountering that we have with the resurrected Christ. And we must have our eyes opened if we ever hope to be the body of Christ, to be the church the way that God calls us and dreams for us to be. As much as Scripture guides us, the table does too. And we find that in the story. We need both. Luke is driving that point home. And in the ancient church of Luke's day, this, like I said last week, this passage serves as a template. Distracted disciples encountering Christ, the word being opened up, them coming to the table, breaking bread together, and re-engaging their mission by going straight back to Jerusalem. We all abandon our mission and our calling and our ministry and our faith. We do. It may look like two disciples walking away. It may look like trading in a risk-filled, sacrificial life for safety and protection and comfort. The church began as a community who reached out to the poor, walking among them. And now, and I'm just stay with the metaphor, now we have walls we protect ourselves with. And we, we don't even see the world beyond the walls because we've covered the windows with beautiful, beautiful images. It's a metaphor. I love the windows. I love our church. But we have traded our methods. We used to hold the hands of the sick and the dying. We used to invite the hungry to our table. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And now we write a check. I'm not judging. I'm not condemning and I'm not shaming. Because I'm with you. But I am trying to walk a path that our eyes can be opened together at what resurrection brings, at what God's dream and will is for the church, for all of humanity. What it means amidst the headlines we read every morning and we think it happened again. And for a final thought, I want to highlight the framework within which the Gospel of Luke resides as far as Jesus' ministry. Several weeks ago, we went to Luke 2 and we talked about the boy Jesus at 12 going with Mary and Joseph to Jerusalem. And then Mary and Joseph left thinking Jesus was with them and their family and all that they were traveling with. And they got how far away? How many, how many days away? Do you remember? One. But then they spent 
the day going back, and then they spent it down on the third day. They found him, and where was he? The temple. They'd lost track of Jesus. They walked a day away. They came back, and on the third day, they found him. And Jesus says, like a witty 12-year-old, what you, what you, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And another way to translate it, and there's kind of a dual meaning here, another way to translate it is, didn't you know that I would be doing my father's business? I am God's son. Here today we have a story of two people that have walked a day away having no idea what's happened. And on the third day, they encounter Christ. And Christ says, didn't you know? Did you not know this is how the story was always meant to go? Did you not know this was always my father's business? Didn't you know that my father's business would lead me to the cross and out the other side, alongside of you on your walk, on your Emmaus road, The entire gospel of Jesus and Luke is sandwiched between these two stories, and we know that the Father's house is wherever two or more reside. Amen? Wherever two or more reside, that is the Father's house. But what is the Father's business in this world? Where do we find Jesus today amidst the violence and tragedy? We find Jesus when we come together and the scriptures are opened up to us. We find Jesus when we break bread together at the table, we find Jesus in our shared life of ministry as a community. We find Jesus waiting for us to get back up and head back to Jerusalem because that's where we're called to go. We need all these things. And when we are ready, the good news is Jesus will open your eyes and set your heart on fire. The kingdom, the reign of God here and now in this world, resurrection. When we engage our scripture with open minds and open hearts and open eyes, we will encounter the risen Christ. When we break bread together today, we pay attention. You'll see Jesus in each other. When we invite the stranger in from the dark road, when we offer hospitality, when we offer shelter, when we work to alleviate hunger and thirst, when we do all we can for the least of these sisters and brothers, we realize we look into the eyes of Jesus sitting across from us, maybe at a table, maybe a counter, maybe the aisle. We need the good news of resurrection today. We need to live into the reign of God where sin and death hold no power. We are called to live into the reality here and now and forevermore, the kind of life that has no fear. Or if fear is with you to keep you safe, you definitely don't let fear behind the wheel of your car and you don't let fear pick the music, amen? Because when you let fear take control, it may cause you to think that death is king. We're called to go to our Jerusalem, no matter the risk, to share the good news. And there's a wide world just outside of these walls of people that are alone in the dark suffering. So as we take communion, I want you to think of what it means to live in the resurrected life for you. When we break bread together, where's God been calling you as an individual? 
Where has God been calling us as a community, as a church present within this world full of opportunity? What does resurrection mean for you 